Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. As Karen already shared, we're in our second week of Advent, and Advent means to come. And it's an interesting season because really what we're doing is building up the anticipation of the celebration of Christ's coming on Christmas Eve. And so we, we spend time over the four weekends, the four Sundays before uh, Christmas Eve, uh, looking at these areas of hope that we did last week and then love that we're going to look at this morning. And of course, we'll go into peace and joy. But it, it's building up to something we already know has happened. And so there's a part to where, as followers of Jesus Christ, every day we should be thankful that Jesus has come. Right, church? And yet we put the season aside as a time of remembrance, reflection, of devotion uh, to build up that, to build up for that big moment, if you will, on Christmas Eve as we gather together. And I was thinking about that this morning because as I was heading off to church, my granddaughter Jordan spent the night last night and she said, Pop Pop, that's what she calls me, Pop Pop, where are you going? And I said, Well, I'm heading off to church, I'll see you there. And she said to me, She said, Well, when act like you don't know I'm coming. And when you see me, act really excited. <laughs> and so when I came after the first service, she was out sitting on the couch and she said, Pop, up, I'm here. And I went, wow, you know, and sort of build it all up. And in a way, that's Advent season. <laughs> like we already know what's coming. And yet we're building up this excitement to remind ourselves, to remind ourselves how profound the love is of God that sent his son so that we could have life in him. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. You know, over 2,000 years ago, the star appeared in the east and the celestial beacon, the signal that the Savior was to be born. And a star is mentioned very briefly in the gospel account that first Christmas, but it was essential, an essential tool that God used uh, to bring people in, into relationship, into, into the presence uh, of his son, Jesus Christ. And, and this morning, I want us to sort of, in our minds, think of that star as the gospel. Think of that star as the scriptures. That today, it's, it's the very scriptures of God that bring us into an understanding of who God is and how he created us and this relationship that he desires to have with each and every one of us. That the Christmas star singles the brightest love a love that never gives up, conquered death, that conquered sin, and fills the believer into eternity. And I want to look at what John writes, 1 John 4, 7 through 16, you can follow along with me, about this profound love of God in this life that he calls us to be in with him through Christ. 1 John 4, starting at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. By the way, some of the most amazing words in Scripture. God is love. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. Camp there with me for a minute in that, that part of verse 9. That God sent his son into the world for a purpose. Did you catch it? that we would have life through him, that the very life that we've been created to have is only found in Jesus Christ. Verse 10, in this love, not that we have, in this, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now we're camping a little bit, but that word propitiation is not a word we typically use in our English vernacular. And so what, what does he mean propitiation? Propitiation means that Christ literally took the punishment of our sin upon himself. That's the love of God. Verse 11. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, loved us how? He loved us so that he would take this sin upon himself, he would pay the price for us, love us so much that he would come, and he would come so we could have life through him. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his perfect love is perfected in us. By this we know we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So he has come to know and to believe the love of God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So as we, as we begin to look at this profound truth, of God's love for us that gives us life that, that paid the price for our sin that allows us not only to experience his love, but to share it with others. I've got a few questions for you. Now, when I ask him, you're going to, what does that have to do with the passage? Stick with me. It'll come together, I believe. If not, just act like it does. But here it goes. How many of you have finished your Christmas shopping? Come on, you're in church. Be honest. Anyone finished it? Last service, we had three, so they're in the minority. A friend of mine last week shared that she was done before December 1st. That's her goal every year. Good for her. Okay, the, the second question, how many of you haven't even started yet? Yeah, yeah, that was same. You're, you're, you're in good company. Last service, too. They were all still so, sort of waiting there. How many of you would like to skip shopping and go straight to Christmas dinner? That's, that's sort of me. That's my category right there. It, it, it was amazing to me. This stat shouldn't shock me, but it did. Last year, Americans spent... $1 trillion on Christmas presents. That's one with nine zeros after it. $1 trillion. And really why it shouldn't surprise me is because last year, also Americans spent $100 billion on their pets. $100 billion on their pets. I was thinking about that. I mean, we feed them, we walk them, we house them. They should pay us $100 billion. And why do we do that? I mean, think about it. Well, we do it because we love them. Why, why do I do that for my dog? Because my wife loves my dog. And, and so that's, we, we, we do those type of things out, out, of, out of love, right? And, and so here, look, I, I know this isn't a direct correlation, but stick with me. I'm not saying that, that God loves us the way we love our dogs <laughs> or, or that we can in any way compare the great love we have for those around us with the profound love that God has for us. But, but it is similar in this sense. God's love is selfless and sacrificial. God's love is selfless and sacrificial. And a trillion dollars spent on presents speaks of selfless, sacrificial love. A hundred billion spent on pets speaks of selfless, you know, sacrificial love. God's love for us is so much more profound sense than dollars and cents. Speaks of his selfless and sacrificial love for each and every one of us. So a few crucial questions. I just wonder, just if you would just take some time, think about these and, and answer them in your heart. Answer them to yourself. How do I perceive God's love? Ask yourself that. How do I perceive God's love? Do I feel I need to earn it? Do I accept that God's love is meant for me? I think many people would say God loves the world, but when all of a sudden they realize that they are the part of the world. If you put your name in there, God loves you. Do I accept that God's love is meant for me? Many people over the years as I've talked to them about faith, you know, they've, they've talked about the fact that I don't deny that God loves. The hardest thing is for them to realize that God would love them. And then fourthly, do I see the overflow of God's love in my life flowing to the others? 
Together, let's dive deep into the love of God as we explore a love manifest itself by God entering the world, sending his son that first Christmas. And if you leave here with nothing else, here's the the overarching point. The love of God that sent Christ into the world that first Christmas, which has been present since before the world's creation, is it abundant and it's, it's abundant enough for us to receive and to share with others. But the very love of God is abundant enough for all of us to receive and share with others. I've heard Christmas spoken of, of when love came down. I think that's a beautiful picture. When love came down, one translation of scripture says, when God moved into our neighborhood, when he came to be with us in our presence in such a unique way, God's love entered the world as a baby. And this is, this is indeed the truth. However, we'd be greatly mistaken if we don't take a longer view and see eternity's past. In other words, that the history of the world, the sacred account of scriptures is a love story. It's a love story from Genesis through Revelation. All of scripture is a love story. It speaks of God's love. Creation to now, to the unforeseen future, It's the story of God's love for people, for you and me, his plan of redemption to bring us back into a saving relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Think about that. I mean, God's not like that relative who shows up with a gift that no one knows what to do with. He's not like that sort of cold, miserly person at work who begrudgingly brings a gift to the office gift exchange. He lovingly, selflessly, sacrificially gave the gift of life to his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect gift for each and every one of us because he loves us. I mean, no doubt the love of God came spectacularly in that stable in Bethlehem, but Jesus' birth was just the culmination of a long history of love. It wasn't the beginning of love. It was, it was a profound expression of love, but that love God has had from the very beginning for each and every one of us. In fact, this, this love of God that sent Christ to us it is a love that, that's meant for us today, but it's a love God has always had for us. In fact, in Psalm 139, the psalmist declares that God knew us. He loved us and knew us before we were even born. Think about that for a minute. Before we ever had an existence, our eternal God said, I love you. Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus, Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, even as God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. From the very beginning, it was God's plan that we would be in a loving relationship with him through Jesus Christ. He knew all the ups and downs of humanity. He knew all the ups and downs in our own life. And from the very beginning, he said, I love you. And it's important to realize and and accept that God's love does not depend on us. His love is not something that we can earn or perform to maintain. And I think that's so important we realize because many, even a believer I've I've had conversations with, who who would not argue, they would say, no, no, you can't earn God's salvation. You can't earn his love. But then as believers, they believe they have to earn, like, maintaining it. You know, like, if I don't measure up, I'm not going to be able to maintain this love that God has for me. But God's love is so much more profound, so much more true, so much more constant than that. It is hard to really wrap our minds around, but as a parent and as a grandparent, I sort of get it a little bit. 
Because when I think about, like if my kids were to ask me the question or my grandkids were to ask me the question, why do you love me? I mean, that's a big question, right? I don't love my kids or my grandkids because they do things for me. I don't love them any, any less when they're not doing things I don't want them to do. I may want to be around them more, but I don't love them any less when they're not doing things I don't want them. My love for them is simply because they're mine. I just love them. I love them where they're at. I love them as they are with all the hopes and dreams that they find fulfillment in life through Christ. And God is the same way. He loves us. He loves us so profoundly. No, does he have plans for us? Yes. Does he want us to, to be in a right relationship with him as Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Does he want us as followers of his to live dependent on him? Yes, these are all the things he wants for us. But his love isn't based on those things. God is love. And so we have to really understand the fact that, that, that it really begins with him. God is love. God's very nature and character is the love. God's love for us existed before even we did and will continue throughout eternity. And I don't know about you, but that's mind-blowing to me. It, it changes the way I live for him. It changes my desire for the way I live for him. But as we embark on this journey of love, let me encourage you. Accept that God's love, accept that God's love for us exists beyond the constraints of time, space, and our limited understanding. Take a moment and just, just allow yourself to, to really believe that and to, to embrace that. That receiving the abundant love of God begins by accepting that it originates with him and him alone. It starts with him. He loves us. I have a few other questions for you here, several of them. Just, just think about them for a minute. Process them. Do you ever find it difficult to love God? You have to raise your hand. Just, just be honest with yourself and God this morning. Do you ever find it difficult to love him? Do you ever find it hard to accept his love for you? Do you ever doubt that his love is enough to cover the pain, the hurt, the selfishness, and evil of our world? Do you ever doubt that God's love is enough to cover your pain and hurt in this life? I think if all of us were to be honest this morning, if all of us were to be honest, from time to time we'd have to say yes to those questions. From time to time we find ourselves having to say yes to those questions. But the truth be told, despite what we know in our heads, believe in our hearts, and confess with our mouth, a struggle exists to live in this reality of God's love for us. God's love is far beyond ours and anything else we can have experienced. And that can make it difficult for us to embrace because it's hard to explain this profound love of God because none of us can fully love anyone like that. And none of us have been fully loved by anyone else except for God like that. But despite our inability to completely grasp God's love for us, he does love us. He does love you. Catch this, God's love is unconditional. God's love is constant. God's love is, is a love that does not disappoint. It's a love that's pure. It's, it's perfect. It's plentiful. And we can see this in, in the Christmas account. And those he chose. I mean, he chose Mary and Joseph to be parents to Jesus. Think about that for a minute. Only ordinary people. I mean, if, if any of us really were to look at anyone who we could have chosen in all of Israel, my guess is we would have made a different choice. Certainly, we would have chose someone who could have provided better for Jesus on the, day, on, the, on the day of his birth than a stable. But God, in his infinite love and wisdom, chooses Mary and Joseph, these ordinary people, 
How about the shepherds? Among the first who were to hear of it, hey, Jesus is born, go, go see him as a smelly band of shepherds, ordinary workers. And they show up at the stable, right? And they, and they go, they're among the first witnesses to the, to the birth of Jesus Christ. He chooses his, these ordinary workers to do that. And then you have the Magi, who I know probably weren't there on the night of his birth. They came way after the little drummer boy. But, but the Magi, the wise men, this foreign group of mystics, right? They're not even from Israel. And God chooses to lead them by a star to come and worship the Lord. Look beyond the typical picture of that first Christmas this morning. Where would you fit into the scene years ago there in Bethlehem? Where do you find yourself in the here and now? And I just want to encourage you, no matter where you are on on your journey, this, this love journey with God, Allow him to meet you where you're at. Allow him to meet you where you're at. God's love is vaster and more perfect than, than we could ever fully grasp, but worth opening up our hearts, our minds, and our soul to be drawn deeper into. I, I really do ask that this prayer of, of Paul's would ring true in each of our lives this morning, whether you're here on campus or watching online. Listen to Paul's prayer for us, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. God's love is what? It's deep, it's wide, it's long, it's high. It's not determined by the ways of our fickle emotions. Have you ever just not felt it? You know, I, I just don't feel it today. I don't feel close to God today. It, it's good to know that God's love for us isn't determined by our fickle emotions. Even when we feel distant from God, he's so close to us. And yet it's so easy in the ups and downs in life and the seasons that we go through to think that he's so distant, so far away. It's so easy to question whether his promises are going to be fulfilled, whether God is love is, is absolutely true. And I think about those who were waiting for hundreds of years for the coming of the Messiah. I mean, can you, can, you, can you sort of, in a way, put yourself in their shoes? I mean, we read the Christmas passages, right? So we go to like an Isaiah uh, passage about the, the coming Messiah. Then we jump right on over to Matthew and he's here. And yet the reality of it is when, when those in the day of Isaiah were told of the promise of the coming Messiah, that he wouldn't come for 700 years that means that, that they get this promise. Woo, he's coming. It's great news. By the way, you're going to be dead and your kids are going to be generations until Jesus returns, until Jesus comes. Think about that for a minute. Think about what they must have went through. Think about the times that they must have struggled to believe and they thought, man, it's God's love failed us. Then at just the right time, at just the right time in human history, God delivered his love. Christ came. Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And I wonder when we think about their account, if it isn't different for us, or is it more alike than we would like to admit? But there are times where we too look at the promises of God and we don't see them fulfilled right away and we wonder, is it ever going to happen? Has he given up? Have we done something wrong but he's so distant from us? And I want to encourage you, at just the right time, God always shows up. 
I've often said God is never late, but sometimes I wish he was just a little bit early. God's timing is always perfect. And nothing can shake God's love. Nothing can tear the believer away from God's love. His love will never fail. And as we await the celebration of Christ's birth on Christmas Eve, we also remember, we're also anticipating his second coming. To which he, he told the disciples, right? The original disciples. I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to return. And generations have passed. Like nearly 2,000 years since those words were spoken. And why, why isn't he back yet? Is he, is he slow in coming? The scripture tells us no, out of love he waits to give opportunity and opportunity and opportunity for those who have yet to receive him to do so. Why? Because he loves us. How long would you wait for a child who's wandered? He's waited for over 2,000 years. That's love. Paul writes, writes of this amazing love that we really should remember and cling to, especially when we're struggling in Romans 8, 38 and 39. I love this passage. Paul writes, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Can't get any plainer than that. Nothing can separate us from his love. Receiving the abundant love of God continues as we walk in the knowledge of his unfailing consistency. Here's another question. Do you have company coming over for Christmas? How many of you have company coming over? Christmas can be a wonderful time to gather with friends and family, but it can be challenging if we're to be honest, right? The nature of God's love is that it's unending and unlimited. It can't be contained. In fact, God doesn't want his love to be contained. He wants the very love he places in us to overflow into the lives of those around us. We're instructed by God's word to love one another. In fact, we're instructed to love the unlovable. And so at times, love can be easy, but at times it can be really difficult. Have you found that to be true? In fact, sometimes the hardest people to love are those closest to us. In the places where we play and live and work and go to school, the people who, who we're called to love may drive us crazy at times. Practically speaking, the Advent journey of love is about God, God's love overflowing through our lives to others. Now, we can't love people like that in our own strength. We can't manufacture that type of love for long. Maybe you've tried that, where you have that one person, you know God's calling you to love them, but they're just so hard to love. And you decide in the morning, I'm going to love them today, you know? Or you're in school or maybe at work and someone really just ticks you off. And so you walk off a bit and you pray the prayer, God, I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. And the reality of it is God's love starts with him, not us. And the love he gives us to have for others starts with him, not us. It's to be the overflow. In fact, God's way of, of, of empowering us to love others is through him. In fact, listen to this paraphrase from the Living Bible from 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. See to it that you really do love each other warmly with all your hearts. Now these words don't say that love is easy, but it tells us where the source of that love comes from. It comes from the transforming power of God in our life. 
And so there's an important shift that needs to take place. We must try, cease trying to, so hard to love others in our own strength, but dive deep into the love of God. Dive deep into an understanding and experience of the love of God. So that it's that love that, that overflows from our life into the lives of others. See, receiving the abundant love of God continues to be a blessing as we allow it to overflow to others. So what have we learned about God's love? Well, God's love, God is love, and he sent his son as a sacrifice for us due to his eternal love that originates with him and him alone. We can only rely on God's love and walk in the knowledge of its unfailing consistency. And the love of God, which he first has for us, enables us to love others by the overflowing of it from our lives to the lives of others. This is God's love. This isn't just what we anticipate celebrating on Christmas Eve. It's what he offers each and every one of us this morning. We don't have to be surprised by it. We don't have to act surprised. We, we've heard the words. We, we've experienced the amazing gift of, of Christ coming so that he would die so that we could live. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, I want to encourage you that the love of God we started with this, that the love of God that sent Christ into the world that first Christmas, that that's the love that was present before the creation of the world. It's abundant enough for us to receive. It's abundant enough for us to share with others. And so as we're gathered here this Sunday morning, this Advent Sunday morning, learning about the love of God, it's more than just saying, God, bless our gathering. It's saying, God, bless our scattering. Would you help us dive so deep into the love you have for us so that when we leave this campus or wherever we're watching and, and heading out into the world all around us, that we will represent your love so well to even the unlovable, to even the most difficult. Because dare I say, I think I make that list sometimes. <laughs> Maybe you do too. And yet God didn't say, I so love the ones that are easiest to love that I sent my son. For I so love the world, God said. I so love you. That I sent my one and only son, Jesus Christ. So that through him we could have what? Life. Life. Advent and Christmas is a time to, to put love into practice. It's a time to be reminded, to, to dive deep into the love of Christ. And wherever you are with Christ, won't you do that this morning? If you've yet to receive him as Lord and Savior, why not right now, wherever you're at, in the quietness of your heart, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so profoundly, for dying for my sins, being resurrected for my salvation. And for those of us who are in Christ, we made that decision maybe weeks, months, years ago. Maybe the challenge is to say, God, not just help me love others, but help me dive so deep into your love for me, but I can't contain your love for others. It's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? Help me dive so deep into your love for me, but I just can't contain it. It just is overflowing to those around me. Wherever you find yourself this morning, know that God loves you. It's a constant love. And may that love draw you to him. And may you share that love with others. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you so much for the season of Advent. We're not trying to manufacture excitement. Just as we look at these, these Sundays leading up to Christmas Eve and we look at your hope and your love and you know, as we look at your peace and your joy, we just can't help as followers of yours to not have excitement well up within us as reminded of who you are and how profoundly you care for each and every one of us. Thank you that you invite us to follow the star of your gospel on this journey of love, to to dive deep into your love for us. A love that's founded on, on reality, not on our fickle emotions, not on our perspective of life, but on who you are and how you see us. Help each and every one of us experience the depth of your love this morning, which has been there throughout eternity. It's more than enough for all of us. And by the power of your work within us, it can overflow from our lives to the lives of others. I pray again, if anyone's yet to receive you as Lord and Savior, but even now in the quietness of their heart, that they would receive your love. But Lord God, we understand through your word, it's not about us pursuing you, it's about you pursuing us and drawing us into that relationship with you through Jesus Christ. We not leave this place without saying yes to you. And Father, thank you for continuing to penetrate our hearts by filling us with your love and as we walk with you and as we await, Lord God, the completion of that work, the, the total fulfillment of seeing what your act of love is going to be when Christ returns and the work is completed in our life. We praise and thank you for that. Help each of us this Christmas season, this Advent season, Father God, to embrace you so that your love, Lord, would just flow in us but through us for your glory. Thank you for loving us so profoundly, so richly, so deep, so wide, so high, so long. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.